All right, uh, my lovely wife's going to come up here and we're going to read Ruth chapter 2 together. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant, who was in charge of the reapers, answered, She's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I'm a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. Fifteen, right. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah, of barley yes and she took it up and went into the city her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied and her mother-in-law said to her where did you glean today and where have you worked blessed to be the man who took notice of you so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness is not forsaking the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished 
all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Well, we are in Ruth chapter 2. Ruth is the eighth book in your Bible. That is, if you are a Protestant. If you uh, are a Hebrew, if you have a Jewish Bible, anybody have a Jewish Bible with them? The book of Ruth is not the eighth book. It is the 17th book in your Hebrew Bible. Now, do we have... What do we have here? (laughs) No. I don't know. Looks like we have a a bar at the bottom, too, there, if we wanted to. All right. Oh, there we go. Now, does that work with this? There it does. Okay, look at that. Give Tim a big hand. (laughs) All right, so Book of Ruth is the eighth book of your English Protestant Bible. It's the 17th book in a Hebrew Bible. And uh, here's, here's how the Hebrew Bible is laid out. First five books are the same, the Pentateuch. Next two books are the same, Joshua and Judges. But Ruth is after Judges in the Protestant English Bible because the book of Ruth begins with the phrase uh, during the days of the Judges, during the time of the Judges. So in chronological order, the guys who put together the uh, Protestant Bible said, um, well, chronologically, Ruth should be right after Judges. But the Hebrew Bible is laid out a little differently After the Psalms, you have the writings, Job, Proverbs, and then Ruth. It's not chronological, it's thematic. Because Proverbs 31, the last chapter in Proverbs, is the Proverbs 31 woman, the virtuous woman, right? It it says this, Proverbs 31, an excellent, a child is the word, Wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. Right? There's only one woman in the entire Bible called a child woman. Who is it? It's Ruth. It's Ruth. Ruth uh, 3.11. And now, this is Boaz talking to her next, next week. Right? And now, my daughter, do not fear... I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a, and it's translated here, a worthy woman. So it's translated excellent, worthy, capable, virtuous, woman of noble character. Um, John Wycliffe translated it a strong woman. Okay, But that's why it is in a different location in the Hebrew Bible. All right? In fact... Um, 
I speculate, I don't know if this is true or not, but I speculate that the person who wrote Proverbs 31, by the way, the Proverbs 31 woman is a poem. It's an acrostic in the Hebrew uh, um, alphabet. Every verse begins with a different letter in order of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay, so um, I think that the guy who wrote the Proverbs 31 had Ruth in mind. Let me show you some interesting parallels between Proverbs 31 and, uh, and Ruth. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. So she's up early. And then, you know, there's the other proverb that says her candle does not go out at night. Right? That's why you buy all those candles, right? Yeah. Um, so she's, she's up early and she's working late into the night. And what's she doing? She looks well to the ways of her household. So she takes care of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Okay, so she's busy working from morning till evening. So when we look at Ruth chapter 2, Boaz says to his foreman, who's the the new girl? And uh, he says, well, that's Ruth, the Moabitess. Well, how long has she been here? She's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest, and she leaves at sundown. So she works from morning till evening, and what is she doing? Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left uh, over after being satisfied. She is taking care of her household, okay? So there's a parallel. Let's uh, take a look here at Proverbs 31. 31. After this poem praising the Proverbs 31 woman, it says, Give her of the fruit of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. Now the gates, that was uh, at the, uh, the, be- the entrance into the city, and that's where all the town business was, was done. And that's where a little bit of gossip took place. And here... The Proverbs 31 woman, they sit around and they go, ha, what a wonderful woman. What a hardworking woman. What a godly woman at the gates. In chapter 4, guess where Boaz is going to go uh, to make official the wedding, the marriage to, to Ruth. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. Okay, One more parallel. Proverbs 31.17, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Proverbs 31, woman has strong arms, biceps and triceps, and yes, they're a very strong woman, right? Now, here in chapter 2, she's out there gleaning. She's, she's putting barley heads into maybe a sack, and, and she's gathering this, uh, uh, this gathering of, of, uh, of harvest, So she gleaned in the field until evening, right? Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley, and she took it up and went into the city. So you go, oh, an ephah, that's great. What's an ephah? Well, an ephah equaled about seven or eight gallons volume-wise. And a gallon weighed seven or eight pounds. So she gathered 50 to 60 pounds and carried that 
from the field to her home. All right, so I brought along just some a sermon illustration. So, all right, ladies, anybody want to show us if you're a Proverbs 31 woman? I bet you can do this, dear. Do you think you could do a curl? Come on. Well, see, I can't even do it without breaking the mic. No, 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 don't use your back. All right. Do you want these dropped on your feet? <laughs> <laughs> or should I just you are a back? Proverbs 31 woman. Anybody else want to try it? Yeah? 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 There's 25 pounds each. Have you, have you heard about the potato sack uh, exercise? Well, you, you, you get two 10-pound potato sacks, and you hold it out for a minute. You do that for a week. And then at the end of a week, you increase them to 15-pound sacks, and you hold them out for, for a minute. And at the end of that week, you get 20-pound potato sacks and hold them out for a minute. And then at the, the fourth week, you actually put a potato in each sack. Okay. All right, so Ruth, uh, I think she's the Proverbs 31 woman, okay? Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at Ruth, then we're going to take a look at Boaz, then we're going to take a look at Naomi, and we're going to see something, a godly quality about each one of these people, and uh, the goal would be to imitate them in these three godly qualities, all right? So first of all, I want you to see that Ruth is characterized by the word trusting. All right? In, um, in, in fact, skip Proverbs. I was going to tie it to Proverbs 31, but just take a look at, at Ruth 2, 2.12. Boaz meets her, and he's heard about her story, and he says, the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward, we'll come back to that in a second here, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. All right, so the idea again last week, she's this little helpless, like a helpless bird who can't fend for herself, she's totally dependent. Yet she has chosen to bank it all on the Lord, the God of Israel. So she has taken refuge. She has chosen to trust the Lord. Right? And Boaz sees this and he says, The Lord repay you for trusting the Lord. All right? A full reward be given you. Now, um, this can be kind of confusing. What, what, is, what do you mean? You get a reward for trusting? Well, let me talk about two kinds of trusting. Two kinds of rewards, I should say. Okay? There's earned rewards, and there's trusting 
rewards. Earned rewards would be, you know, you work a job, you've put in your time, you've earned a paycheck, right? Or you, you're the most valuable player on a team, so you've earned a trophy, right? So there's earned rewards. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about trusting rewards. It's, it's what you get when you believe, not when you earn, but when you believe the promises that a generous, powerful, good person has made to you. By trusting them, by trusting their promises, your reward is you get what they've promised. Right? It would be like a wealthy grandparent taking their grandchild aside and saying, hey, place your trust in me and I will make sure your education is taken care of. Do I have to now earn my... No, I, I trust Grandpa and Grandpa rewards me by giving me what he's promised. That's the kind of reward that's going on here. Um, I never really fully understood Hebrews 11.6 until I really uh, untangled the difference between earned rewards and trusting rewards. But in Hebrews 11.6, it says this, And without faith it's impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must A, believe He exists, and B, that He rewards those who seek him. I always thought it meant, okay, I believe he exists, I trust in him, and then he's going to give me rewards for my good works. No, no, no. It's I trust in him, and the reward is he gives me his promises. I don't earn them. He promises me things. Now, what are some things that God has promised us? Right? Now remember, we're looking at Ruth. She's come under the wings of God, and we're saying she is a trusting example. She's an example of somebody we should emulate by trusting God. Well, in the youth group, we're in Colossians. We just finished up uh, Philippians. Let me give you just a bunch of promises that God has, has made to you. Now the question is, you're going to claim them. Are you going to trust them? Right? So here, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He promises that when he starts a project, me or you, he's going to finish that project. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to drop you. He's not a God who starts but doesn't finish. He's in the process of making you more and more like Christ. Right? That's, a, that's good news. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. What does that mean? When I live my life, I live in fellowship. I, I, I'm not alone. I, to, to live is to walk with Christ, but when you die, it's even better. And to die is gain. You don't have to fear death. To die is gain. Then, 
how, how am I assured, though, that when I stand before him on judgment day, that I'm going to pass? Well, Paul says in 3.9, I want to be found in him, I want to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that comes from my law-keeping, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Some people still don't get this. The gospel is... When I trust in Christ, his record, his righteous record is given to me. So when I stand before God, I don't have to fear if I've done enough. I haven't done enough. I know I haven't done enough. But I can stand with confidence because I have a righteousness that comes not from my law-keeping, but by faith I trust in Him and He has promised me His righteous record. That's the good news of, of the Gospel. Now, you go, these are all great, all these nice spiritual promises, but I'm kind of like Ruth. I'm wondering where my next meal's going to come from. I wonder if I can get through this problem at work. Right? Well, Paul addresses that in Philippians. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There's a promise that he will give you the strength and the grace you need to get through whatever trial you are in the midst of. Now, this is the verse that all the weightlifters have tattooed. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is not a weightlifting verse. Right? Remember where Paul was when he wrote this? He was in jail. He was in prison. The, the all things that he's referring to is, I can endure whatever situation I find myself in. I can, I can be content, he says. I've learned the secret of being content in any and all situations, whether well-fed or not well fed, what's the secret? He strengthens me. There's a promise. When you trust Him, He will give you the strength and the grace you need. Okay? Then He says to the Philippians, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And again, there's a difference between he, will, he, he doesn't say he will supply all your wants, but all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So, if we want to become more trusting, trusting the, uh, like, like Ruth coming under the wings of God, and, and we, we say, Lord, I want to increase my trust in you, what, what's the secret? Find His promises. Read His promises. Believe His promises and come under His wings and trust them. Right? So now it's up to you. You go dig them out. Go dig out those promises and claim them. Right? So the key word for Ruth is trusting. Now, what about Boaz? Boaz uh, has come on the scene 
And we're going to see the word that describes Boaz is he's a blesser. He blesses people. First, first thing we see about Boaz, he shows up at work, and how does he greet his workers? Hey, you're not doing enough. Come on, pick it up. You're lazy. I'm paying you a good wage here. No. He comes to the field, and he says, The Lord be with you. And they reply, The Lord bless you. Uh, and remember, where, when is this taking place? During the time of the judges, where concubines are being cut up and Philistines are being killed and war is going on and sexual immorality and it, everybody's doing what's right in his own eyes. And Boaz goes to the, the, the field and he says, the Lord bless you. Here's a man who's saturated with the things of God in the midst of a very ungodly time. You know, remember this whole, this whole series on, on Ruth is how do we live in times like this? First of all, come under God's wings. Claim, know His promises. Claim His promises. Trust His promises. And now, bless others. Right? We, we see that Boaz also... Um, blesses, but uh, by the way, um, it's not how you greet people in church that really reveals your heart. Because in, in church we're all, oh, hello, brother, how are you today? You know, how do you greet people Monday morning at work? That reveals whether our 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 head and our heart is with the Lord. But the the other thing he does is he is generous in giving to Ruth. He, he goes, who's this, who's this, who's the new girl? And um, they say, oh, that's Ruth. She's from Moab. He could have said, get her out of my field. We don't want any, any Moabites here. I know I'm supposed to, you know, let the corners of the field grow for the Israelites, but get her out of here. No, he has compassion on her so he goes over and he says hey listen stay in my field because it's dangerous out there i've instructed my workers not to to touch you help yourself to the water water supplies over here right um, and then he tells his his workers pull out some of the stalks for her all right i i think he kind of likes her at this point right and then he even says, join us for dinner. And then here, take some home to your mother-in-law. He is a generous man. Now, I think Boaz is a type of Christ. Not only is he the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus, because uh, Boaz is in Jesus' uh, genealogy, but I think he is a type, a, 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 uh, a person in the Old Testament that you can hold up and look at and say, that person foreshadows Jesus. Jesus is our Redeemer. In verse 20, 
What does Naomi call Boaz? A redeemer. And next week we're going to unpack what that means. But for now, realize a redeemer is simply one who can rescue someone else who's helpless. Ruth was helpless, and out of kindness and generosity and grace, Boaz pours kindness upon Ruth. Likewise, we are helpless. We have, we have nothing to offer God. We have no righteousness to offer Him or to stand before Him. So, He redeemed, Christ redeemed us. He bought us out of the dilemma we were in. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. We deserved condemnation. How did He do it? By becoming a curse for us. On the cross, He was cursed. The wrath of God was poured out on Him on our behalf. Likewise, Boaz is a redeemer. Now, how can we become more of a blessing to other people like Boaz? Here's something I've learned over time. You can't work up grace. Right? You can't say, well, I'm going to try really hard to be more like Boaz this week. You can't work up grace. You can only pass it on. God blessed Boaz, and Boaz couldn't contain it, so he passed it on. So I think of the, uh, the parable Jesus told, you know, the master, he calls in the guy and says, you owe me a billion dollars, pay up. And the guy says, I can't pay, have mercy on me. So he shows him mercy, he shows him grace. So that guy goes out and he finds a fellow slave and he says, hey, you owe me 20 bucks, pay up. And you would think he would, he would say, well, of course, I, I, I just let it go because I've been forgiven a billion dollars. But no, he starts to choke the guy and he says, I'm going to have you thrown in prison. Well, the original boss, the master, heard about this and he became furious because he'd been shown so much grace. So if Jesus told the story and said, you know, the guy who was originally forgiven, his name was Boaz. And he went out and he finds, found somebody who owed him something. You know, the story would have ended this way. The, the person pleaded for mercy and Boaz passed that mercy along. So um, this week, Thanksgiving week, if you want to be a blessing to others, you know what the key is? Gratitude. Remember all the blessings God has given to you. And that will change your heart so you can be a blessing to others. Make a, make a blessing list this week. Okay? All right. One more thing. Naomi. Now, last week we left Naomi kind of in a, in a mess. Right? She was grouchy old Naomi. Um, I came across this verse this week in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Paul says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. That means give them a little kick in the pants. 
the idle, those who are, are not doing anything. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak be patient with them all. Naomi is faint-hearted. I don't think she's lost her faith in God, but she was overcome by all the tragedy in her life. And she lost sight of the kindness of God. And when, when, when you no longer think God is kind, you're no good. You're not a blessing to anybody. You're not a good representative of God. She's lost sight of the kindness of God. First a famine, then the loss of her husband, then the loss of her two sons. Poverty. It's just a mess. She doesn't know she's going to eat today. Right? And some of you may be feeling like that today. You're faint-hearted. You're discouraged. You haven't walked away from God, but you're wondering, where is this kindness that everybody sings about? Watch how one little word, Ruth speaks one little word, and everything changes from hopeless to hopeful for Naomi. So here's where um, we left her last week. She comes back to Bethlehem. She's old. She's, she's bitter. And the women say, is that Naomi? Which means pleasant. She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord, see, she still believes in the Lord, <laughs> the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? And the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. God's not kind. In fact, he's against me. He's out to get me. Everything is dark. The, uh, you know how this week, today it's sunny, but it was dark and cloudy and gray, and that's all she can feel and all she can see. Her view of God it does not include any kindness. So now they go to Bethlehem, and Ruth comes back with 50 pounds of grain and she says where did you get that 219 Ruth says the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz and you can almost see Naomi's brain go Boaz Boaz! Now look, look, look what happens here. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Whoa, what? How, how do we grow from bitter, gloomy, doomy to, in one word, she, she believes in the kindness of God. Well, Naomi said to her, Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours 
one of our redeemers. And next week we're going underst- we're, we're to look more at what all this means. But a close relative of somebody who had lost property was supposed to buy it back. And if a widow lost her husband, a close relative was supposed to marry her and actually provide a child for her. Now, none of this has happened, but Naomi forgot about these these kind laws that God had given to the people of Israel. And with the naming of the name Boaz, she's reminded that he is a redeemer. Nothing has happened, but she's just been reminded of the kindness of God who has provided uh, these rules, these laws for these people. And it's like the, the clouds part and the sunshine comes down and it changes her heart from hopeless to hopeful. She has no idea what God's about to do. In 12 hours, Ruth's going to be married to the richest man in Bethlehem. They will be well provided for. Naomi gets her land back. Through the birth of a baby, the family line is restored. And Naomi becomes not only the great-grandmother of David, but the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus. She doesn't even know all the blessing and the kindness that will be poured out upon her. Right? So, you could say God opens her eyes, and you know what? I don't, I don't know what, what any of you need today to have hope restored. For, for Naomi, it was the word Boaz. But my prayer would be that if any of you are, are going from God's out to get me, if that's where you are, that God would convince you today that Romans 8.31 is true, that God is for us. So let me pray. Lord, I do pray for any in the room who are like Naomi, all have trials and discouragements. Could be sickness, could be death, could be problems at work, um, death of a loved one. And Lord, it's, it's easy to fall into despair. But Lord, I pray that you would give each one what they need. Could be a scripture or a song, uh, but remind us of your kindness of your kindness and that you are for us. I pray also, Lord, that this week as we um, celebrate Thanksgiving, that we would be truly grateful people so we can bless others. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us of your promises so that we would be like like Ruth, trusting you and coming under your wings. Um, So Lord, use these characters, use these true characters in this true story to make us more, uh, more like Ruth, more like Boaz, more like Naomi. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.